you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hi lovely listeners i hope you're doing well it's great to be back with you uh as i mentioned last week our birthday month is still upon us i have been digging your emails about our birthday i have been so grateful for the stories you've shared about how our podcast has impacted your life thank you so much for um letting me know it's really rewarding it's rewarding just to do the show receive your questions and be able to help you where you're at but it's really rewarding when people can let you know how much that feedback has helped. So the stories have made this journey really rewarding. And I appreciate those emails. If you have a story you want to share with me about how the podcast has impacted your life, that's a little birthday present to me for six years of podcasting. You can send it to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. I would love to hear your story and perhaps share it on the air early next month after I've gotten to open each little email gift. Without further ado, let's get to designing. I wanted to quickly tell you from last week, as you know, I've been looking at houses, right? I don't know if I'm really going to move. I'm in a house I thought I'd be in for 18 years. Then COVID hit and I've been reevaluating every single thing in my life. Maybe I should just get up and move to North Carolina. I've heard it's lovely there. I'm wanting to move to San Diego. Chances are I'll stay right here. But in the meanwhile, I'm poking around, right? I'm on Zillow every night. Did you guys see that SNL, that SNL Zillow clip? If you haven't, please Google SNL and Zillow and watch the video because it's basically what I'm doing every night from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., probably in a town near you. I'm evaluating living in any place that has a view of any body of water and a soaker tub. That's really my only requirement for my new home. A view of water, soaker tub. That's it. That's it. Is that too much to ask? Anyway, as I've been scouring, I've actually been going to some homes in the local area just to get a sense of, you know, what my options are around here. I don't really want to turn my lifestyle upside down. I love New York City. I don't really want to be too far from my favorite city in the whole world. So what does this look like? So the other day, 
I went to a different home in New Jersey and was looking at it and it had so much ornate woodwork. It was not old and I like historic homes, but those can be hard to find with the requirements I've mentioned. So I'm looking at a sort of a new build, but they've done it in such a way that it's quite opulent inside, which is totally not my jam. I mean, I love designing for transitional and traditional clients. Uh, I can completely get behind that aesthetic. But for myself, it's just not what I gravitate towards. I'm not into crystals or ornate filigree or floral patterns for days. I'm just much more graphic, uh, much more like geometric, much more primary colors. Uh, This is just where I live. But this home ticked a lot of the boxes. And so I definitely wanted to give it a chance. Well, I was thinking about how I could marry my style with this home because it even had like little cherubs in the tile behind the wet bar. Like, what? Where could I see myself in this home? Because if I were to buy this home, if I was going to buy a home with a wet bar, that's probably going to max out my budget nearby New York City. Uh, And so I didn't have the money to do a lot of renovations. I would have to make what was there pretty much work. Certainly I could transform the space over time, but I was not going to go in and do any sort of major reno work. As I was walking through the rooms, as I was seeing all the brass, as I was seeing the dental molding, I was thinking, how can this resonate with me? What parts of this do I like? And it reminded me of like a Parisian opulence in some ways. I love Paris. I lived in Paris for a while. I had a job as a barista. And by day, I was in school. By night, I was a barista. On the weekends, I was just an American in Paris frolicking around um, aimlessly. And it was just a great time in my life. And I lived in the south of France as well. In high school, I went to a host family for a few summers. And France just has some of those opulent qualities if we're thinking about Versailles. And that's something I can get behind. I can't necessarily get behind that in New Jersey for myself, but I can get behind it if I was in Paris. So I was like, okay, what if this became my Parisian getaway? If Parisian is the style, how can I express how I want to feel in the space? Could it be comfy Parisian? So, you know, when you're thinking about moving into a space that may not be quite you, when you're thinking about renovating a space, you have to have that two-word phrase locked and loaded. When I moved into my home here in Westchester, I had my two words and I clung to them like they were my lifeline whenever I was shopping or designing because I needed to stay on track. And as I've mentioned before, your two words can vary in rooms that are, say, a bedroom or a playroom, rooms that are totally closed off from all open communal 
you know, entertaining spaces. But those main areas in your home where people are coming through and hoping to see a cohesiveness need to share that two word phrase. And you need to really be specific. One style word, one emotion word, one feeling word. How do I want to feel in the space? And then the second word, what is the style of the space? You can interchange those words for however it feels best, right? As you heard me say before, I had um, Brady Bunch Dude Ranch, right? And it doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. Brady Bunch Dude Ranch did not resonate with my husband. He had no idea what the hell I was talking about, but he loves the 60s style, so I knew he'd be on board. Just make it make really clear sense to you and whoever is helping you design. So that way you're on the exact same page. The other day I was in the town next to mine designing a bathroom. Now this woman lives in a home that in no way reflects the style she was hoping for. She really likes industrial. She really likes farmhouse. And this is a really bland home built in the 70s or 80s and has no intrinsic voice or personality on its own. But when you overlay such a strong choice like industrial or farmhouse in a place that has no sense of that exteriorly, right? When I walk inside, I'd have no idea what was coming. You have to make sure that all the changes you're going to be making inside fit that same two-word phrase, especially architectural changes. Because I don't want to go to your powder room and be in Paris and then go upstairs to the bathroom and be in, you know, a converted loft in Williamsburg. Then take a left and be in your kitchen and be in a farmhouse in New Jersey with a blacksmith from the 1700s with a wagon wheel, right? We really need to latch onto those words. And I was resistant. You know, I told her these styles that you're telling me, these pictures that you're showing me don't resonate at all with this architecture. And I'm thinking that it feels quite out of place. And she's like, Betsy, this home is not my style. And as I have money, I'm going to renovate every gosh darn room to exactly what I want. But I just can't do that right now. And that made all the sense in the world to me. If you're going to totally overhaul your house one room at a time, one area at a time as your budget evolves, then make your dreams come true, but make sure that your vision does not change. Because what I liked five years ago is actually pretty different than what I might do today. What I moved into my house with six years ago, and I did pretty much start from scratch and do whatever I want on a pretty much blank canvas. My home only has a few strong architectural details that drove my choices. Other than that, I made my own choices. But I think part of the reason I want to move is just because I want to tabula rasa. I want to do this again. I want to do it again for myself, right? So I would go in a totally different direction. My style has not remained consistent for six years. And I worry that somebody else who's designing piecemeal like that may have a hard time staying consistent with these trendier type styles. Farmhouse, industrial are both a little trendy right now. These are things to think about as you're thinking about your renovations or decorations, as you're looking at homes that maybe you can afford, but that wouldn't be something that you'd design for yourself if you could do everything custom. What kind of compromises are you willing to make? Where can you find yourself inside the space that you've chosen, right? 
because I was going to have a very hard time finding myself in Paris in the middle of New Jersey. But for that soaker tub, for that view of the koi pond, I was going to make it happen. It's under attorney review with somebody else, so it's not going to be my home. But I want you to understand my ideas as I'm looking at real estate. And I hope it changes the way that you look at real estate after listening to this podcast. Without further ado, we're digging into the mailbag today. We have another pretty lengthy question. So guys, keep it a little bit shorter. I want to help you as much as I can, but I also want to help as many people as I can. So keep them a little bit shorter. And if you are a premium member, go ahead and put that in the subject line. But if you have a ton of questions, I'm going to give you your own podcast, your own episode in our premium membership portal. So that way you can have the episode devoted to Deirdre, but it'll live on that private portal so that I can answer more quick questions as they come. All right, Liz, I'm going to do a long one, but I'm going to put my foot down. Here on my sixth birthday, I'm going to say no more super long questions because then I think I can only get to one question per podcast and the questions are piling up. Okay, here we go, Liz. Liz writes, hi, Betsy. I've been listening to your wonderful podcast for quite a while, and I love your great advice. On your last podcast, you said your mailbag was low. Not any longer, Liz. Not any longer. So I've decided to write with my design dilemmas, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. I have a hallway problem. I refer to this hallway as the gloomy hallway of doom. We moved into the house two years ago. To start with, I'll say my decorating style is clean line, transitional, somewhat masculine with a touch of farmhouse. Liz, I hope you're listening to the first part where I said two words. You're all over the place and no wonder you're having trouble. Back to your question. The color palette is fairly neutral with a variety of gray, grayishes, beiges, light and dark teals, and grayish blues. The surrounding accents are black and copper. I went with Southwest Accessible Beige for walls because of how warm red my floors are. I would have much preferred darker floors with gray walls. I have included some pictures to help you understand the layout. Here is a picture of my front door, which I'm just including for perspective and because my decorations are nice. Yes, you have lovely decorations, Liz. I love it when people go all out seasonally, whether it's autumn and they're using gourds and pumpkins, whether it's winter and there's maybe an excess of garish Christmas lights mixed with evergreen wreaths, whether it's Easter as it's coming up here and people are doing pastels and bright flowers. I'm a sucker for seasonal decor. I don't often have time to get it right in my house, but in my storefront, I'm actually transforming my windows this weekend to be a bouquet of flowers from light up flowers to other types of flowers to watering cans. My storefront is going to be totally transformed so I can appreciate that seasonal decor. You go on. When you walk in the front door, the stairs are in front of you with the dining room immediately to your right and an office immediately to your left. Then when you walk straight through, you'll pass the basement and that troubling hallway. You'll enter the great room and the kitchen. All right, I'm scrolling through. 
Here's the hallway, you write. It's long and dark with blank ends and blank walls and only a door to our coat closet. As you move down the hallway, you'll first pass the openings to the kitchen and the dining room. Toward the end, there's a half bath on the left with our laundry room. The hallway then turns left as you go into our master bedroom. We've created a very basic mini mudroom right there. So yes, this is kind of a wandering and long hallway, Liz. I'm totally getting the point. You continue. The hallway gets a lot of traffic back and forth from the garage and or to the bathroom. It's certainly something every visitor will see. It's right in the middle of the house. It's so strange. And although I'd like to think I have an eye for decorating, I have no idea what to do with this space. I've pondered replacing the recessed lights with pendants and putting them on a dimmer switch. I could add runner rugs. I could add artwork to the walls. I've thought about millwork, uh, but would that feel encroaching? Wallpaper? Should I paint it a different color? As you can see, I'm really lost with this one and I'd really love your thoughts. Okay, Liz. Yeah, you know, this hallway's not just straight. It does bend. This hallway's not just empty. It has some features that make some walls look busy. It has thermostats, light switches, electrical outlets. Those are things that will dictate where you put artwork, where you put other accents. So this hallway is not as empty as it may seem. I do love runner rugs in a hallway. If I have a long hallway, I like to find a long runner rug or even do a custom runner rug. I would not break the runner rug up into multiple parts until you get to that bend, right? When you bend, you could have a break and start a new smaller runner rug in that new smaller part of the hallway. The one thing you want to watch out for is do you have clearance under these doors? You have a closet door, you have a bathroom door. If they swing open into the hallway, they might be impeded by a rug. If the rug has a high pile height and there's not a lot of clearance under the door, you're going to hit the rug and not be able to fully open the door. And that is going to be so annoying. I want you to do what I call the toe test. Hopefully you have big, big toes like I do. I take my big toe and I put it under the doors in question. If my big toe does not fit, a normal pile rug, which is 0.25 inches high to 0.5 inches high, is not going to fit with its corresponding rug pad. And yes, every indoor rug, in my opinion, should have a low profile felt rug pad. You can get great ones from Home Depot, Wayfair, Overstock. I'll get off my rug pad high horse now. But you want to be considering that when you're thinking about how long this rug should be. Is it going to conflict with the doors? Do I even have clearance? Am I willing to get the doors shaved so that I do have clearance so that I can have a runner rug? So that is a logistics question, not just a decor question. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, 
styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Your question about replacing the recess lights with pendant lights is a good one. Now, I don't like pendant lights that have two low of a drop if you only have eight foot high ceilings. These ceilings appear to be eight foot or maybe they're a tiny touch bigger than eight foot, but they don't seem very high, which means you wouldn't have a very big drop on those. They might be more of a flush mount. And I don't know about the ease of conversion from a recessed can to a flush mount. It's much easier to do a flush mount to a pendant because there are specific pendants, if you Google this, that go into that recessed can hole. So it's meant to be a conversion piece, but most of them hang down pretty dramatically. Most of those that I have seen and worked with go over like kitchen islands. So instead of having two recessed cans over a kitchen island, you could instead have two narrow pendant lights. Keep it close to the ceiling. You, of course, wouldn't want this pendant light to drop down below the door frames. I'd keep it really tight to the ceiling, like eight to 14 inches, and that's not much of a drop. And that's going to be problematic if your ceilings aren't nine feet high. So I think it could be an aesthetically pleasing choice, but it'd have to be just the right light. I definitely think you need artwork on these walls, but not every wall. You know, when I'm doing a hallway, I do the chicken test. I flap, well first, before I flap, I put my thumbs under my armpits. Then I flap my little wings back and forth and I walk down the hallway. And as I'm walking, if I bump the walls while I'm flapping, I cannot put artwork there because if I'm carrying groceries, if I'm carrying a child, if I'm carrying laundry, I'm going to bump the imagery and it's going to feel tight and restricting and look bad when I have artwork that's askew. I think that this hallway is wide enough that you won't have that problem, which means you need to pick and choose which walls you're going to put artwork on. Even though you walk straight down a hallway, perhaps there's one room that you come into the hallway more from. For instance, if your guests were taking a tour of their home, maybe they're spending more time in the living room and the living room will open up into this hallway. Well, what you see from the living room as you're looking into the hallway, that should be the wall that you're featuring because that's the wall they're going to see as they approach the hallway. So think about those focal walls in the hallway, which walls you're seeing most, which walls have the least number of light switches, thermostats, gunky junk, 
doorbells, etc., on them because that's visual clutter and we don't want to add to the visual clutter. We want to pick a nice feature wall that's relatively unbroken by that miscellaneous so that we can feature artwork in a nice way. In a hallway, you don't want to do anything too big because if the hallway is tight and narrow, we can't get perspective. I can't stand back to take in a large piece of art. So unless I'm trying to cover something like a circuit box or some kind of unsightly, I don't know, structural thing that can be blocked, I wouldn't do too big a piece of art because it's going to look overwhelming and I won't be able to fully appreciate it. Would I do wallpaper? No. There's too many breaks and weird little boxes you have going on. It's not going to make a beautiful impact in my opinion. And it's kind of a minor hallway, even though a lot of people use it. Could you do a color? I think that's very intriguing. Thinking about maybe painting this something that's a few shades darker than the rooms that people are entering it from. Or maybe even a pop of color, one of those 60, 30, 10 colors from one of the other rooms. I think that's a very intriguing idea. But first, let's decide on the runner because the runner could potentially drive the color palette. Then let's decide if we want to do art because if we're going to do a lot of art, we may not even need a more dramatic wall color. These are decisions that will be informed by looking at the other rooms and seeing how much is going on. But I think I've given you enough ideas to start chewing on this design. I see you have another question, so let me get into it here. You continue. On an unrelated note, I would like to add an additional accent color to my current fabric choices. I'm struggling to find something. Attached are pictures of my throw pillows and my kitchen table bench so you can see the colors. The flowered fabric seemed like such a good idea at the time. Yes, it's got bold, daisy-like flowers that are kind of a mustardy color, as well as an aqua color, as well as a truly deep teal, and almost a dusty gray purple. That's what I'm seeing from these images of both the dining bench and the throw pillows. So now that I've painted that picture, let me go back to your question. This flower fabric seemed like a good idea, but I'm already realizing that it looks like spring and summer, but not so much in the fall and the winter. I can't easily change that bench fabric with the seasons. I'm also weary of that lighter teal aqua shade, but it is in too many things. It's in the fabric ottoman coffee table, the rug. I just feel like I can't change that one, even though I love the darker teal shade. I'm hoping to bring in another color to expand my options. The flower pattern does have that interesting mustardy shade. I like it, but it's impossible to match. I also have some very muted orange tones in the dining room. All right, I'm just gonna stop this question right here. Because the key, Liz, the key here is to lock in on that inspiration piece. And as we know, an inspiration piece is not only something that is prominent in the room, which the bench and the pillows are, but it's something you really love. And I am hearing that you are over these pillows and this bench. I'm hearing that you don't even want it in the spring and the summer, even though it looks nice at that time. You're really over the aqua, and certainly this is where we can start to flip the 60-30-10. 
I don't have a sense of the entire room, but based on these images, I'm going to guess that your 60% is this aqua, the 30% is that deep, rich teal, and the 10% is this mustard yellow ochre color. We can easily flip this without getting rid of that rug that features the aqua by making the deep teal the 60%, making the aqua the 10%, and then getting rid of the pillows, reupholstering the bench. Now the bench, I might suggest a neutral or just a solid because that's something you don't want to easily or switch out that often because it's not easy to do as you'd mentioned. Why don't we key in on a piece of art? Why don't we key in on something else that has colors that you really love? The one thing we know for sure is we need to integrate a warm color in here because it's starting to be the 50 shades of teal room, right? And that's not what we want. So we do need a warm color. I do love mustard. It's not one of the most popular colors in the book, so I can see why you're having a slightly hard time finding it. I am intrigued by it and it's a color I really love, but there's lots of warm colors you could choose from, from coral to rust to yellow to, you know, I don't know if I'd go red with the teals, but you know, there's just options is what I'm trying to say. And the key is not to be arbitrary about it. I don't pick the colors first, Liz. How many episodes have you listened to? I don't pick the colors first. I pick the inspiration piece first. And then I pull my 306010 from that palette. That's what I'm going to ask you to do, Liz. Fall in love with an inspiration piece, be it a patterned drape, a patterned pillow that's going to be prominently placed, or I typically use an impactful piece of art. That's where you'll start. That's where you'll get that color palette. And you can play with the tones found in the art over time to emphasize or de-emphasize certain colors as your 60-30-10 changes. Liz, I've solved all your problems. And you guys have solved a lot of my problems over the past six years. I get to talk to you about design all the time. That's such a joy, such a thrill for me, and I hope it's a thrill for you. Keep your questions coming. Keep them kind of brief so I can get to lots of questions in one podcast. Send them to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. I love helping you solve your design dilemmas, and I'm so excited to celebrate another birthday with you all here. All right, guys, until next week. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out. 
follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.